Now on the Business Radio X Network, Conscious Capitalism, elevating humanity through business in Southern Arizona. Your hosts, Sarah McLaren and Jeremy Neese. Southern Arizona does good business, and we want to talk about it. Welcome to the Conscious Capitalism radio show and podcast, streaming live and on demand from the Tucson Business Radio X studio. Conscious Capitalism is an international movement promoting business as a force for good. The Conscious Capitalism movement has 40-plus chapters in the United States, including Arizona with lots of activity down here in the southern part of the state. We are bringing people together to make it easier for Southern Arizona businesses to do good business and to partner with other organizations who know that successful companies value all of their stakeholders, including the communities in which they operate. On this show, we want to shine a light on real-world examples of good business happening right in our own backyards. We invite leaders in our community to share their stories and experiences, to tell us about their personal journey through the world of business, to let us know what makes their organization great and how they go about bringing value to Southern Arizona. At the end of the show, we'll share some information about upcoming opportunities to engage with Conscious Capitalism, but please remember you can always go to ConsciousCapitalismAZ.com to learn more. So let's get into some good business and introduce you to the voices who will be participating in today's conversations. I'll begin with myself. I am Jeremy Neese. Professionally, I represent Retirement Evolutions, where we provide long-range wealth planning for organizations and individuals. Personally, my interest in this show and in conscious capitalism and in related uh, organizations and movements is how do we effectively make long-standing improvements for the human family. And I'm Sarah McCrarren from McCrarren Compliance, where we specialize in safety training and consulting, uh, specifically in the areas of OSHA, MSHA, and DOT. So our guest today, we have Alice Templeton. Alice is a director at Barker Contracting, a Tucson-based commercial builder. She has decades of experience in, in enhancing business practices and communication on behalf of the AEC industry. As a Tucson native, Alice brings long-standing relationships and a solid understanding of our community to every effort she pursues. As a former president and current board member of the Metropolitan Pima Alliance, Alice has insight into to and knowledge of the real estate and development community. And she knows how to bring diverse interests together to find common ground solutions. She is a dynamic speaker who has presented at regional and national conferences on a variety of subjects, including client relations and project management. Welcome, Alice. Thank you. Happy to be here. We also have Gina Murphy-Darling. Gina is the founder and CEO of Mrs. Green's World, which is an educational platform that inspires ways of living that are healthy, sustainable, and socially just. She also is an author, a public speaker, and she hosts a global podcast dedicated to the preservation of our planet. She has spent most of her adult life working to improve the lives of at-risk children and families, and, and now um, our at-risk planet. Her big dream? Raise the consciousness of every human being on the planet about the reality of our climate and the health of our planet. Then educate, inspire, and engage them to be the change they wish to see in the world. Gina is a, disrupt, is a disruptor for good. Thank you for being here, Gina. Thanks so much for having me. We're delighted to have you both here. I guess we should start with the, the building blocks here. Alice, you want to go first? Tell us about your story. Tell us about your organization. What led you to become part of a community-focused builder? Well, as you already heard, I'm a Tucson native, so I love this community. Uh, you know, I went... To, uh, 
I, I thought a lot about, you know, what is it that makes me me? And I think that um, I spent eight years at a parochial school. Now, the school is long gone, and I don't want to get into that. But, <laughs> but uh, one thing that I really had there was very kind people who showed me how to be kind to others and how to be empathetic and caring. And I think that that is kind of carried through. Um, I studied to be a, psych- a psychologist at the U of A for uh, several years. And then I finally realized that I would be a horrible psychologist because I would not be able to leave my clients' problems at home and I would probably go insane. So I just uh, started working in the business community and uh, got in with engineers and I worked with engineers for 20 years uh, before the recession. And then when the recession hit, I went into communications and public relations and now I work for a contractor. So, you know, I, I care deeply about not only, you know, this community, but the extended community, the world, I, I, I just care. That's outstanding. Thank we're you. glad you care, and we're <laughs> glad you have empathy. Those are good attributes. I always think that I w- that would be my super uh, superpower, empathy. I'd be able to say, oh, that's awesome. Jeremy, I know what you're feeling right yes. now. <laughs> See, I feel like laying down on the couch. You tell me you would be a good psychologist, but I'm ready to sh- pour my heart out right now. And I'm like, I want to follow her on Facebook. <laughs> All right, Gina, and let's go with the the story of Mrs. Green's World. Keep in mind, it's an hour podcast, but (laughs) it's a great story to hear. Right out of the shoot, you're you're dinging me. I know, but anyway. That's your warm-up question. Wait till we get to the tough ones. Warm-up questions. It's just a great story. Because I think it started when I was seven, and I started this thing called the Jolly Workers Club. And I actually still have things from it that my mother saved, where I gathered up kids in the neighborhood, and we helped we helped clean up yards for old people. That's what oh, we called very it. Cool. We cleaned up yards for old people. And then being raised in a family that there was no waste, and we used leftovers, and my mother washed the tinfoil, and <laughs> it was just very conscious. We never wasted water. And then the big bang came when I went to visit the rainforest, having had a very long and successful career working with at-risk children and families and knowing what the environmental factors are on their life and then going to the rainforest and really deep in the rainforest. It wasn't like on a tour boat. And meeting with indigenous tribal leaders and leaders from the north explaining what's at risk if we lose our rainforests and the rate at which we were losing them. And when was that? That was over 11 years ago. I cannot believe it. So, of course, I came back having had a social services career and said to my husband, I think I'm going to start a a national radio show called Mrs. Green Goes Mainstream. And he about came undone. (laughs) He said, you don't know. You've never even been on the radio, like except you know, and it was just such a clear message I got there that you have to come back and start helping people understand it's one planet, it's a really small planet, and we're wearing it out. And that was, I mean, it's been quite a journey to now to really have some national and and local and community impact because of the message of climate change and all that that implies, the whole social justice piece. So it's been an amazing journey. I'll bet. That's great. 
And I think it's uh, interesting that, you know, you, you coming with the background of social services and recognizing, you know, how much someone's environment, and, and in that case, it was in the context of, you know, a home environment or a community environment and, and how that relates so much to their success. And then going into the rainforest and seeing, you know, okay, now, so now let's take this on the biggest possible picture and the biggest possible impact and look at how that environment is so important. And Sarah, to your point, it's gone full circle in these 10 years because a huge piece of the work we're doing now is in the social justice arena because climate change hits the at-risk populations first, hardest, most severe, and that's who's getting hit already. There are millions of people that are being displaced. There are hundreds of thousands of people that are starving because climate change hits there. In terms of environmental impact, there's a lot more disease from at-risk populations because their homes are not properly vented. There's not clean indoor air quality. The beat goes on. There can be lead in their pipes. So the social justice, that's why I kind of laugh about it, the social justice training that I had, the, the, the social services training, working in homes with families was preparing me for the job. It makes me laugh. It's like, yeah, that was a big job, but I was being prepared for it to bring it back to the home and how you can create a healthier home to to basically for climate mitigation. Yep, and what do we call home? I mean, you know, Earth yes. is our first home. Yes. Yep. Thank you for reminding everybody of that. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, you know, both have some interesting stories and um, out there doing some, you know, good work within the community. But thinking a little bit specifically about your businesses and the companies that you're with. So, Alice, what makes Barker Contracting a good place to work? Well, not only are we a good place to work, we have proof we're a good place to work. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> oh, man. Last year, we were a 2018 Best Place to Work Copper Cactus Award winner. So, you know, so, so, I, so now I, I don't just brag. I can prove. Right. You've right. got the hardware on the mantle. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and basically, you know, it, um, one of the things, in, fa in fact, that's what I just did today. We do regular employee surveys. And so, uh, you know, we try to stay really in touch with our staff and understand what it is that they need. You know, are they happy? And and our numbers are great, but there's always room for improvement. Uh, one of the things that uh, we really focus on is communication, because without good communication, you know, actually with good communication, almost anything can be solved. You know, it, it's when employees are disengaged and not talking that you really need to worry about how things are going. So what makes this a great place to work, one of the things is, is that we just genuinely care about each other. Uh, one of the things that you hear all throughout our office almost the entire day, and, and keep in mind, we're stressed, we're busy, but you'll hear these peals of laughter, you know, where, where we just try to find the humor in just about everything. And, and some of the things we find humorous, I probably can't say on the radio, but that's okay. <laughs> But we try to make sure that we're in touch and that we are uh, very, very paying very close attention to what our people need. And we feel like a part of what they really need is just feeling connected. And so we spend a lot of time, uh, you know, making sure that that people are recognized 
you know, we have uh, the Barker Contracting Pillar Award, which we give to uh, an employee every quarter, and they're nominated by their peers. And what do you um, have to do to gain a pillar award? Uh, you have to represent our values, you know, which is quality, being conscientious, you know, uh, being good to our clients, being good to each other. It's, it's pretty basic, uh, but we do have those on our website as, as, you know, the things that we value. So people, there's no question for our staff what we value. Everybody knows it because we're constantly talking about it. And our president, Brian Barker, just lives it. You know, he's extremely generous. He's just a really nice man, particularly to us and to our clients and just well-respected. And, and, and we do spend a lot of time also investing in the community. So we do a lot of work for uh, nonprofit organizations. We just, I don't know if you've seen the recent uh, building that just came up on Speedway uh, down by the U of A, the uh, new Casa de los Niños. We oh, do work. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we did that. Oh. Isn't it a great building? And, and it went op- up overnight. Yeah. It's <laughs> well, amazing. <laughs> the project manager probably would <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we worked on the Community Food Bank, the Caridad Community Kitchen. We volunteered yeah. there. So uh, uh, my claim to fame is that a group, I think it was about six or seven of us went and we made like a thousand burritos for the elderly. And, and you know, stuff like that is so important. I, w- I would never have imagined how much work that is, you know, and the backbreaking and all of that stuff. And I, I was the folder. Like, I was the roller. <laughs> But um, that's a tough yeah. job. Yeah. So I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah. I, I uh, um, you know, a, a purpose driven, a, a values based company and one where it's more than just the values on the wall. It's actually like you said that when you say, you know, everybody knows the values of our company because we live them every day because they're the values that, you know, started, you know, in in the heart of, you know, of the of the CEO. Yeah. Um, and he's just a kind, caring person. I mean, that's always a pretty good recipe, along with, you know, skills and knowledge and, and right. hard work. But right. yeah, right. Well, you know, a lot of people can have the the skills and knowledge, but it's putting it all together and getting a cohesive team all moving in the same direction uh, that makes the difference, I think. Definitely. So, so Gina, you know, you're all about sustainability, but in addition to the work that you do, you're also, you know, running a company. So, you know, what do you guys do to make sure that Mrs. Green World sustains? Work, work, work. (laughs) We were talking that a little bit off air. And when you're creating what I call is a movement, we're not a media buy. We don't fit in a neat little box. So when I first started to create this as a business model, it was evolving and changing. And it's been a challenge because what are we? People want to pay for us out of their media budget. But then as time goes on, they see we're more of a movement and they want to support the movement. So that becomes the challenge. So growing the business and even now like reinventing ourselves with clients that that really value us and appreciate us how many podcasts can you do on an x subject like on this subject that i could think of many um you can there's just so many so how else can we be of added value to your company is what we always ask and one of the ways that we're evolving and it thrills me beyond measure is the establishment of green teams or sustainability teams within corporations because that's what has to happen we have 12 years according to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change to turn this earthship around. So getting entire companies from the leadership or the top level down 
happens. And it's been so exciting to me to see corporate cultures change. And a part of that, what you said, is so much about giving back to the community so that we truly have sustainable mm -hmm. communities and doing things with Habitat. And a lot of the thing, places that you mentioned, Caridad, and getting people to get engaged in the whole business of what a truly sustainable community looks like. It's not just about planting trees and eating non-GMO food. It's much more comprehensive and integrated than that. And Understanding that connection. Yes. You know, to yes. me, it's all about connection. You know, we're all connected. The planet's connected, and we. Yes. A lot of people, I don't, I think, don't really think about that very much. I, I agree. It all comes down to, to connection. I mean, that's sort of one of my very core beliefs is about how we're all connected and not just people, you know, like the planet and everything. So, Jeremy, you're saying. Well, yeah, and you mentioned there's a race against the clock to a certain degree. So as you start working with these green teams, are you birthing those or these new concepts or is it they've got teams that are sort of engaged in some level of how do we lessen our footprint and, and be kinder to the community? Where are you finding on the spectrum, the I guess be, better question, how, how prepared are yeah. organizations to take on that task? The best example is the Chapman Green Team. It's been going on for about eight years. It has transformed seven car dealerships. So think about it. It's car dealerships, not necessarily showing up as green and sustainable. And they have gotten now national awards, international awards, local awards, recognized in Biz Tucson for their sustainability efforts. And they do things like, and you guys will love this, instead of buying from um, chains for lunch, and car dealerships do a lot of buying food for their employees, about 90% is locally owned places. That's a major shift for this community that helps build a stronger community. The number of social service projects we have done in this community with, you know, Pima Animal Care, and we have, you know, Pick a Pooch Day twice a year where all of the employees get involved with that. We do a home build with Habitat every year. We do a Goodwill Drive. We've worked with the food bank. So it's not just about this is what the, the leap has been. It's not just about not using plastic water bottles and getting rid of plastic use in your home. It's, it's a much bigger picture of how do you show up in the world to create a more sustainable planet for everyone. And as you said, it, we're all connected. So everything we do has a, has, a, has a consequence or an impact and creating that. And we have one at Hotel Congress that it's, I, I can't even explain to you, Jeremy, the things that have happened. And the way that the staff get engaged and the things that they get involved doing um, in the community, plus all the awareness, you know, we lay the ground level. And then we did this training out at Citibank, huge, thousand employees. And what I find is interesting is people want it. They just don't know what to do. Yep. They just don't know what to do. So it's like, here, here we come, the Mrs. Green team, we can tell you what to do and how to do it and how fast. And there have been really and truly sustainable, incredible, measurable changes based on the green team effort. And we're about to start another one. I can't say yet, it's not all finished and we have another one in the works. That's what we really want to do is really train people about climate adaptation and mitigation. That's so awesome because you know, what people need is just to be introduced. Yes, you know, yes. It, I, had, I had done very little volunteering. I mean, I, I've done a lot of volunteering, but I'd never actually gone to a food bank 
and made something or done something. So it was all very new. And then once I had done it, it was so exciting that I was able to run around telling other people, oh my gosh, and getting them excited about going down there and, and doing that kind of work. But it's, it's having somebody like you who's actually done it, who can actually kind of, uh, what's the word, just, just, orient you. Like you said, introduce the yeah, concept. Introduce the concept. It's just and exciting. Yeah, and, and I think create a space for it. You yes. know, so yes. you know, so doing it through the the companies is it just makes it easy and comfortable and acceptable and ex- you know, acceptable and accessible. And then that being the path for employee engagement and getting, creating those connections, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, it's, you know, yes, when you're working on a project and, and people, you know, put a lot of hard work in and there's, you know, a result at the end, you know, a, 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 a traditional business type success at the end, you know, that's great. And it definitely builds, you know, connection, but nothing, you know, like, you know, these, these, you know, volunteering or yeah. these, these green team things, or, you know, again, something, something, you know, where people have this common purpose that they're working together. I mean, that's that connection, connection which then connection. leads yes. to the engagement, which is all part of a successful business. It, it, it's like what you were describing, yeah. what the day looks like at Barker. Yeah. And, and, and bringing meaning to your work, yep. you know, meaning to your life, meaning to your work. I feel like there's people out there that have so much to give, but they don't know how to do it. And, and, and they don't have that purpose, that, that meaning in their life that I think we all need. And also to feel like you're part of, part of a bigger village. You know? Alice, I could not agree with you more. Yeah. They get involved in the projects. With um, Chapman bought 650 backpacks for the children's clinics. Well, the green team and people they invited, we we stuffed the backpacks and then we delivered them. So you're seeing the work and the contribution that the company made because of the leadership and then the grassroots connection. And it's fun. We did yeah. it on our lunch hour and then we went over and delivered them. And it's it's really transformative. And it feels <laughs> really say, good. It feels so good. The reward is all yours. Yeah. And I think it's also important, like with those examples, where you, you connect with the the you know the recipients as well so you're yes. when you're at a, a food bank and you're you know you're able to hand the burrito you know over you get to look that person in the eye and you get a you know you both get to know that you know yeah we're both human you know it could just as easily be me on the other side of the of the table and you have just as much value you know as I do and you know I'm not you know I'm doing this because because I care for you and you deserve to be cared for yeah and then they feel like they have value, too. Yep. It helps them. So within Conscious Capitalism, one of the key tenets uh, talks about stakeholder orientation, which you evaluate all the people that contribute to a successful organization, the employees, the customers, the vendors, the um, shareholders, the community, the environment. Everything we've been talking about thus far is, is I don't want to say rah rah feel good. Like there's always opportunity to go spend more time at a nonprofit and volunteer and do all those things. Sometimes where these opportunities become very challenging is when you have to pit two agendas against one another. You know, like Alice, I would imagine in your environment, you're building these buildings. You can only be so efficient mm-hmm. with a cost effective methodology, right? You're managing a whole bunch of subcontractors and different technologies coming together. There's a lot of people at the table. Uh, and I can only imagine, Gina, how much you see as far as, <laughs> no, I want to do this. Yeah, yeah, but that's in direct com- competition right, with yeah. this person's livelihood and right. how they do their thing. So right. 
individually, I'm curious, what is your perspective on that? Where maybe are some examples where you've met some of these challenges where it looked like it was going to be win-lose and you found win-win opportunities or just in general, how do you go about um, balancing all the stakeholders and, and the value that they need to get? Yeah, and that's a huge question. <laughs> Which and is I'm probably glad you're breaking into two parts. <laughs> you know, there are situations where you know, uh, an organization only has so much, you know, especially nonprofits, have only so much of a budget. And, you know, they want, they need this, they need this, they need that in order to continue to provide the services or, or to provide, to meet the needs of the those that they serve. And so what often happens is, is that, you know, our, our project managers will have to sit down with the architect, you know, with the owner and sit down and say, okay, you know, these, you know, this this is what this is how much money we have. This is, you know, these are the fixtures that you have assigned. You know, can we do something different? Is there an opportunity to, um, to not downgrade, but use something that's less expensive? You know, what it it boils down to what the top priority is, what you really need, as opposed to what it is that you want, and and what's going to make us all be successful. Because of course. That's what we strive for is that all of us come out getting what it is that we really need. Not what we want necessarily, but what it is that we need. I know Rolling Stones and all that, but um, so, you know, so so there have been situations where, um, you know, where we've gone to our subcontractors and said, you know, or to our partners and said, you know, what can you guys do? You know, we we need to we, this is the budget. This is what we need. What can you guys do? And people step up, you know, contractors step up and say, well, you know, we can you know, for for this project, we'll do this for this rate. Um, you know, I mean, they step up; they they care, and and that's the thing. You you make the case, you make the case, right. and and people have hearts. You know, and and business people have hearts, and they see the need, they see they see an opportunity to to contribute. You know, yes, they're going to make their their profit might be a little bit less, or maybe they can you know just offer the brainstorming session that comes when, you know, a, a specific contractor, subcontractor may have a special expertise where they have information that will help uh, help cut a budget, you know, help help deliver the, the service at a little bit less, but nobody ever really asked them, you know, hey, can you do this? Right. You know, or, or do you have a, a great idea for this? And they say, well, actually, I do. Let's try this. And, uh, you know, I mean, is that sp I hate to throw out names. <laughs> but, you know, just doing things like that, just, just thinking about thinking a little differently, approaching things differently, and then asking the right questions and then and encouraging people. And then, you know, the other thing is, is that when once you get one or two stepping up, it's a lot easier for the rest too. Sure. Again, it's that introduction. Oh, I didn't realize I could do that, or or I didn't realize it would feel that good to do that. Yeah, there's a big difference between being the big contractor, the boss mm -hmm. in the situation, you know, other than the client, and saying, you know, sorry, you know, this is what you're gonna do. Go figure it out. Versus establishing right up front that hey, this is a partnership. We're a team. We're gonna work together. And when you already have those communication channels open, and you have that again, that connection open, and that partnership mentality open, then when things come up, you're ready to just kind of you know yeah. jump in and get it done. 
Yeah. Exactly. And I love what you said because it is about establishing, you lay the groundwork for communication. Everything that you were saying was about communication and connecting. Because if you approach the partnership that way, as a partnership, it sets the tone. And that's, to me, that has been one of the most wonderful um, outcomes of Mrs. Green's world because, like, the first four or five clients we got, I don't even think we knew what the heck we were doing, and they're still with us. So I don't want, I hope they're not listening, but it was like, build it and they will come. And they said yes. And it was because of that, of everything you said about having an open channel of communication. And in, in the Mrs. Green's world, the biggest challenge is, of course, from the very beginning, we wanted to keep our message apolitical and beat it to death, saying that climate change is not a Republican right. or a Democratic issue, it's a global issue. And if people don't listen, it's just been very recently that we've been polarized on that. And I don't know if we are as polarized as the news portrays, but that's been what we've tried to do. So if there's ideologically something that kind of puts us in question, we talk about it as a team and we'll talk to the partner and say, can we spin it this way a little bit because it would be more in aligned with our values. Makes sense. You're you're both nipping at you know the conscious part of conscious capitalism. Exactly. A, yep. There's an issue. We need to put the cards on the table, and we need to put here's what I stand to lose and talk about here's it. what I stand to gain, and how much of that gain I'm willing to give way on, and how much of this. No, this is again. Yeah. I have people. I have payroll. I need to make. Yeah. And people right. are depending on right. this project to go on budget and to make it happen, and so. Here's my needs. What are yours? How can we find that common ground and get it done? And if you don't have the dialogue, right. it's, it becomes a you know, poker match. I'm yeah. not going to let you know right. what's happening over oh, here, yeah. and I'm going to hope I win out. And it's all about trust, building trust, you know, starting to trust each other that I'm not, I'm not here to take what you have or take as much as I can. I'm here because we are all moving towards the same the, thing. Yeah, the same thing. Agreed. So, Gina, you, I, I, you know, you said that uh, you're not sure that we're as polarized on climate change as the media, you know, tends to make it seem. So, I, I find that interesting, and I just like to hear you say a little bit more about that. I mean, you you talked about working with a car dealership. I know you do a lot of work with uh, with uh, TEP. We think about you know construction and building, and you you don't necessarily automatically you know think about conservation and and clean. My industry is also in mining, you know, with safety and mining. So I. You know, I, I'm just really curious to hear more about your experience because you are so in the thick of it and working with all types of people. So one of the interesting thing is when you dig a little bit deeper, 97% of all scientists believe that it's human-caused climate change. There isn't a big controversy. So what do you see on the talk show? You have the pro and the con. Well, I don't know where they found the con because there's only like three of them. And I'm barely kidding. I mean, I've had scientists on my show that will not be on any national media with a climate denier because they said it's a waste of my time. There's, there's no such thing. And so I think that's one of the things we look at. And you know, just irrespective of this current situation that we have in Washington, many, many, many Republicans were working for climate 
adaptation and climate change and very supportive of the EPA. It's just been recently that there has been what I, I, I blame the press a lot for blowing up this polarization. And when you poll people, how could you have the season that we had last year with the fires and the hurricanes and the flooding and on and on and not know something's different, folks? It, you know, it's not like it used to be around here. So more and more people are signing up and saying it's undeniable. So I think, you know, I just have an ax to grind these days about mainstream media and what they're telling us to think, all of the networks, and not really getting good information out there about what we need to do to adapt. Because we're at the adaptation stage, folks. I mean, just ask the people in Northern California and people in Alaska and people in Miami. We're at the adaptation. They're getting flooded out of their homes and, you know, octopus are coming out of the drains. This is not fake news, folks. It's like, yeah. Come on. Um, people want to know, but to your point, Alice, they want to know what can I do? They don't want to pull their head under the covers and hide, but what can I do so that I don't feel so overwhelmed? Yeah, yeah. You know, you uh, being a, a native Tucson, and any, any time that people have spent a large or a lengthy amount of time in the same place, you know, I'm talking, I'm talking decades, mm -hmm. you see the changes. It's hard to deny the changes that have occurred. So true. You know, I mean, they're a little bit more drastic in certain areas, but anytime, if you've spent time in one place, you see the change. Totally true. Look at buffalo grass. Perfect yeah. example. Yeah. I mean, we all better be learning what buffalo grass is and yeah. that it is the most invasive, invasive species in Tucson, and it's a huge fire threat. Why should people care? Well, if, if, if it abuts up your back fence mm -hmm. and we have a really dry summer, you should care. Yeah. You should be conscious of it. Conscious of it and beat back <laughs> buffalo grass. Beat back buffalo grass. Beat that's back the, buffalo grass. That's the new movement. It is. I mean, there's, there's a lot of Certainly people paying important. attention to yeah. it. Yeah. So, Gina, you're, you know, you, uh, we've, we've heard a lot about, you know, the things that you do and the green teams are, are pretty exciting. And it sounds like that's uh, where you're evolving to. But, you know, what's some of the things that you're most proud of that you've done up to this point or even that you kind of see out on the horizon? Okay, the first thing that comes to mind, it was one of my proudest moments. And I'm not going to cry in the air, so don't get worried. But it was when I met and then interviewed Jane Goodall. Because cool. in my world, she's the icon. She is the walk the walk. She is the person that all of us, just as, as a woman, what she did and the time in which she did it, and she is up there in name recognition with McDonald's. I mean, people know who Jane Goodall is, and if they don't, I probably don't want to know them. So that was a proud accomplishment. The other thing is, and we talked about this in terms of conscious capitalism, the fact that Mrs. Green's world is still here and that we have seven amazing team members, six of whom have been with us since the beginning and said yes and got paid measly sums and now they're paid a little bit better <laughs> measly sums. We all signed up for this and I'm so proud of the team that I have holding this together. It's like it, we're... A, a mini, we're like mini group of people, but we're doing this major national movement. And I think that's great. And our ability to expand. You know, we were on News Talk 790 KNST, Mrs. Green goes mainstream, and then we built our own studio, knowing far less about that. Why didn't I know Mark when I was doing this? <laughs> and um, building a studio and producing the podcast from 
what we basically built a home studio and then having the team in place to just support this mission nonstop. It's a really, it is just a great example of conscious capitalism because we did it and nobody even knew what we were or how to describe us, including me. You know, and now we're Mrs. Green's world and we're probably going to look at a name change in the future because it limits our message. So being here is one of our, and the team I have, I would have to say is great. And I mean, Jane Goodall, she was a game changer for me and our ability to recruit guests as well. Yeah, and you know, when we asked you the question about how do you sustain, I mean, I just really love the picture that you painted about, you know, you, number one, you guys have a mission and you know what your purpose is and, and the whole team is aligned to it. But then as far as how you meet that need, you're just open. You're like, we're flexible. You know, let's see what the world needs and go fill it. So totally yeah. agree. What does the customer need? You said it. It's like, what do they need? Not to what I want to give them. What do they need? And seeing if it's a need we can meet. Yeah. You, you mentioned Jane Goodall, and I hadn't thought about her in a while. So that's a that's a good bring to the conversation. Um, you know, she's truly a pioneer in many capacities, but certainly in let's be aware of what's happening under our feet, right? Um, and not to discount any of the hard work that you and your team have taken to persevere her, but you know, compared to 30, 40 years ago, and we see this within conscious capitalism as well, that um, these messages that we're bringing are much more um, acceptable and much more easy to get people to say, yeah, Truly. I went in on that. You know, conscious capitalism, this is a 10-year-old movement. I'm less than a year part of it. And it's an easy conversation because, you know, the conscious piece and all the, hey, let's take care of people and, and the gold, the, the broader stakeholder community, that's all fantastic side effects. But for the people that truly are, hey, I'm a, a capitalist through and through, profit is where we're going. Right. Even from a profit perspective with the climate, with how we go about building our, the buildings we work in and how you go about building your business. It just makes sense. It's the right way to go about it. There's no longer do I need to convince you on how this is going to impact your bottom line because it's there. You so connect true. the dots. So it's great that we're part of these things now because I think they're, you mentioned adaptation stage. I mean, I think we're mm -hmm. we're it's ready to hit the battleship curve. Even for years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it really helps keep things sustainable. I mean, you know, you can be completely capitalist. And if you are truly a capitalist, then you are also thinking of the future and you need people to, you know, whatever it is you're selling, there's got to be people willing to buy it, you know. So so if you're a true capitalist and, and hopefully you have some vision and you're not just trying to get what you can and then get out, which I don't know where you'd go since we're all here and stuck here, um, you know, it, it, it makes sense to be thinking longer term you know even if if you're a capitalist who's hoping to hand off the business to your 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 children you still have to be thinking a long term you know and so i think that really good capitalists are thinking sustainability and are thinking you know, who am I going to sell to in the future? Right. Who's going to want to buy from me? Correct. Yeah. The robots won't. Right. The AI might be able to do it, but they won't consume it. That's a great, and, that's a great and, point. That's where the market's going. Mm -hmm. And your reputation. Correct. You know, you have Correct. a great reputation because you have been conscientious about how you do business. And, you know, when you it's it's the whole in our business, you guys, I know, have heard about it, but it's people profit planet. They are all 
happening and they are all proven. You can prove it, that you can do the good thing and do well, do the right thing and do well. It doesn't have to dramatically impact your bottom line. It can a little bit, but for the cause, it's about getting less to me, the business owner, a little bit, but you can do it, as you all know, and make lots of money. Yeah, like Alice is saying, it might cost you a little bit more as the investor, owner, person who's, you know, receiving the profit today. But if you look at it over the long term and you think about, you know, what are my costs over the long term, it's much, much less expensive to keep an employee and to have an employee who's productive and happy and engaged than totally. it is, right, than not. That is so true. <laughs> so I want to like ring the bell. Do you have yeah, a bell in too. here? It's like, yeah, that, yeah, ring the bell. Yeah. But it, it's, it's absolutely true. Proven true. Proven true. Proven true. And actually proven in, uh, in, many different ways you know uh, a book that uh, we often reference in conscious capitalism is called firms of endearment and there's two versions of this book and in both books they did 10-year studies and they compared you know conscious capitalists or basically companies that are planning for the long term versus um, i call them the good to great companies where they're just really focused on quarterly results and returning only you know focus completely on uh, investor profits and 14 to 1 two two different 10-year studies 14 to 1, we outperform over the long term. And so it absolutely is proven. Yeah. Firms of endearment. Why didn't I think I that, that up? <laughs> yeah. One of, one, <laughs> of the things, one of the things we do at Barker, which is also, I feel like that's, you know, it's about sustainability and long term goodness, I guess, is, is um, you know, we offer our employees health club uh, memberships. You know, Wonderful. because got to have them healthy, got to, you know, we, we encourage them to work out. We encourage them to take breaks. We encourage them to get up off your, your you know, get out of your chair. This is PG-13. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have vegetables in, in the refrigerator. We have healthy snacks, you know, and, and that's about being conscious about, about your employees and, and realizing that they need to be fed and watered and and you know exercised and 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 you know feeling good in order for them to do the best job that they can for each other and for our clients. Yeah. I really like workplaces that take ownership in that area. You know and and it's like you know I our worker well-being is extremely important to us and there's all kinds of influences in society and you know however you were raised or even just all the different marketing and fast food on every single corner and so you can take the responsibility and say you know what I'm going to present an option it doesn't mean that they're going to take it but I'm going to present the option and I'm going to provide um, you know let's just say counter messaging or, or just a more positive message on 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 how to live you know a healthy a healthy life you know including sleep is another yes. big one and then you know mental health because every single one of us has mental health problems some days we're good some <laughs> days we're not yeah I was just listening to a podcast and I wish I could quote the guys it was horrible he was some <laughs> spiritual leader and, and he was speaking very much about sort of the depression 
I don't want to say epidemic, but certainly the inclination is on the rise. That many humans, especially in our country, are wrestling with some level of depression and mental anxieties. And he was talking, you know, like if you have a cough or a cold, and you your physical uh, ailments will quickly say, "I'm not going to go to work today because clearly I'm not right." But if you have a, a mental issue that's certainly consuming you in some capacity, we somehow grind through that one when it can be equally damaging to all those around us, right? You come in with yeah. a sourpuss on your face yeah. and nobody wants to interact with you on that project and you're half vigor for what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, the expansion of health uh, in the workplace and how we're conscious of it and how we support it, that's a huge trend and hopefully we see more organizations like yours. Yeah, and that takes you back to the whole communication thing. So one of the things that, that we really talk about is just, you know, Checking in with each other. Mm, you huge, know, if, huge. If, if you Big see time. somebody who needs help, go ask them if they need help. Can, what can I do to help you? You know, that's one of the that's one of the basic things that we really try to impart. Absolutely. Well, you know, Alice, with uh, also being in the construction industry on the safety side, I truly believe that the one of the missing pieces or one of the things that will make the next big step in workplace safety is just that. And so, and whether it's, it's mental health sort of things or even just, you know, being in a hurry, some of the just normal human nature things where we're comfortable enough with each other to say, hey, you know, are you okay? Are yeah. you sure you want to do that? Or stop. Yeah. Um, because we're, you know, we create these boundaries. And, you know, I don't want to say especially in construction because I think we do it everywhere. But it's easier to see it, you know, when you've got the manly men, although there are a lot more women in construction these days. Yes, there but, are. Uh, <laughs> you know, the manly men and, and you know, got to be, you know, tough. I mean, and, and even less willing to to want to recognize weakness and mental weakness that, that we, we it becomes normalized. And we just recognize that, you know, we are human. We we have issues and we're watching out for each other and we're just yeah. going to say, hey, yeah. I noticed whatever about you and I'm not just going to ignore it. Yeah. One of the things that we've been successful at is uh, establishing a common dialogue, you know, or a, a common way of saying things. So, you know, one of the things we talk about is our reptile brain and, you know, the limbic brain and all that stuff. And so, you know, or we're stimulated. Someone's stimulated, you know, that means... <laughs> Leave them alone for a little while, you know, and, and, and so that's we have a nice word. Yeah, for I was gonna say, it. that's yeah. a nice save. I like it. <laughs> well, I got that from Jan Gordley over at Gordley Group. She's the the, the public relations uh, person, but um, but yeah, and 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 so we have this these common words that that we all understand what they mean, and so it's really quick. We don't have to go into a big, you know, explanation of something. Just say, oh, that person is in their reptile brain, you know, and then everybody understands what that that means. That means that they're. You know? it's, it's a human dynamic that needs yeah. some space. Yeah. And, the, and the fact that you have those words and they're part of the, of the culture means it's okay. Yes, exactly. And yeah, that's there's the no part. stigma. Yeah. There's no stigma. Yeah. I think part. we'll see more and more and more acknowledgement of the mental health issues by employers because they're starting to really calculate and measure the cost We're of mental health so issues much. and what what the impact is on their business and on their bottom line. So I Correct. think that's a good thing. And, you know, when you think about it, I mean, I'm looking around. I'm glad it's not TV. I'm sure I'm the oldest one here. But the world has changed so much in my lifetime in, in, in many, many magical and wonderful ways. But when I started my first professional job, um, folks, I didn't have email. Okay. I mean, it's a very new phenomenon in the big history of time. And now 
it's preying on us all the time. My phone mm. is always on. My emails, I'm getting my emails constantly. I get texts. So that, I think, is a, is a mental health issue in and of itself. I need help setting boundaries. I need my team helping me. When we get sick, there's so much to do if you're a small company. And what we do is say, stay home. Right. Yes. Take care of yourself. You're the most important. Or if kids are sick, taking care of your child is the most important thing. Mrs. Green's world will move on tomorrow or Correct. the next day. So that culture of caring and finding ways to communicate. I love what you said, Alice. We have our own form of communication. We'll say, you know, he's influence or he's control or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but having those to shorten the conversation yeah. and the understanding. So and then it legitimizes it. So For sure. you, that's the key. It is the key. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's okay. It's normal. It's human. Yeah. And yeah, it's expected. So let's just figure out how to deal with it. Right. Yeah. yeah the workplace tribe is going to become ever so important. You know, you talk about no before it was truly you punched the clock yeah. at five o'clock and you yeah. went home. Right. Where yeah. now those lines are completely blurred. And if you wanted to talk to someone, you called them. Right. And right. now, like, I, I'm, I tell my team, call people. They'll hear a voice instead yeah. of a text or a, an email, which nobody wants to. Who said, I yeah. wish I got more email? Said no one ever. Yeah. Right? And there's so much opportunity for misunderstanding yes. without a voice. I mean, Boy. the voice, you, you hear the tone. You hear, like, all these things. And I have been... Communication person, I have been misunderstood via Me email. too. And I, I realized, awful. I'm like, oh my God, no, that's not yeah. what I meant at all. Pick so up the I, phone. I'm a, I'm a pick up the phone. Yeah, me too. Good to know. Noted. So noted. Yeah. So, so Gina, when it comes to all the issues facing us as a planet, it can be so overwhelming. There are so many things to consider in order to send us uh, in a healthier, more sustainable direction. What do you say to people who tell you it's some it's so overwhelming that they just can't deal with it or, you know, that just isn't going to work? Or they don't see that they can have an impact. Right. It depends on how well I know the person. <laughs> because if it's someone I know really well, I'll say, get over yourself. Because we need to get on this bandwagon and we need to get on it quickly. And so here, how can I help you? And if I don't know someone, I take a much more gentle approach. And I think the most important thing is to start small. The journey of a lifetime begins with a single step, and we have to remember that you can't fix it all. So what are your interests? What health issues do you care about? Are there animal species that you want to see around? I mean, we've destroyed 60% of the entire species on the planet since 1970. 60% gone forever. So Animals? Animals. It's animals, and which plants. includes plants. Yes, yeah, 60%, yep. Jeremy, of the entire species. It's like, what are we doing? And it's happening faster. So I think it's really important to... Um, to not overwhelm people, but to try and inspire them that they everybody has to be in this game. Everybody has to be engaged in the business of climate change. And then as that progresses, this is a new evolution for me and our team is talking about it a lot more. A lot of the things that need to change in that 12 year parameter because that international, the IPCC report came out and then the White House report came out, which basically supported everything the IPCC report said. So people are paying attention because it came from two very different sources. We need policy changes. It's not going to just happen with me not using a, a plastic bottle or stopping my plastic bag use or going to locally owned restaurants. 
we have to do some big P policy changes. We really do. We need to step it up. So I think, and I say this to everybody, regardless of your political affiliation, you could have more power as a Republican within your party working for some of these changes, which will benefit you and your children and your grandchildren than maybe a progressive Democrat. So look at what the issues are to me and try to to see the big picture, but to start asking yourselves, where can I make an impact? Building is huge, as you know. It's huge. Energy efficient buildings and all of those things that go with it. So to me, you can't. we don't have the time. It's too self-indulgent right now. And I don't want to be chicken little. I'm calling myself that on my videos these days. But I want to say, please listen to me, because the, the clock literally is ticking. And I mean, I've got a grandchild on the way. Mm. And I want 12 years to be better. <laughs> but we really need every single person needs to step up and figure out what piece can I do. Maybe I don't need two cases of water from Costco. Maybe I could use a plus a reusable bottle and not use any. So there's there's some everybody can do something. So I like that. So you find everyone gets their own point of entry. So yes. what is it yes. that matters to you or somehow ties to something that's important to you? And then you take the little step from there. But there's no stopping. So once you step in, <laughs> no we've stopping. got to keep going and then right. we have to figure out how to make the big, you know, policy changes, you know, and, and or, um, you know, I can be maybe a little bit overly optimistic at times, do it without the policies. So you can have companies, you know, you can have builders who say, I don't care if it's law or Agreed. not. Agreed. This is, these are the buildings that I'm going to build and I'm going to work with the people who want to build, you know, these type of, these type of buildings. So, or same thing with the, you know, when, you know, the United States, you know, backed out of the Paris Climate Accord, many, many organizations, you know, large corporations said, that's okay, because we're doing it anyway. And governors and mayors yep. and state legislatures said, we don't care. We know what's at stake at our planet and do that. I mean, it's a very good point. We need policy for some of them. I, I, I hope it's okay to bring this up, but I interviewed um, Jim Cook, who's the head of Western National Parks Association the other day for, for the other, the community radio that I do with KXCI. And he's, we were talking about the phenomenon of, you know, we're in a government shutdown and what's happened with the national parks. And it, it, it is so perplexing to me because if I went to a national park, I know I'm still nature's guest. I'm, I'm a guest of the planet. And what people are doing it blows me away. It's just, it's like, what? You didn't take your garbage out with you and the, the, the human waste and all of those things. So for some things, unfortunately, we need the policy and the enforcers. It keeps people civil. I don't get it because I would not have left a carbon footprint if I went to Yosemite. I wouldn't. I would say, oh, there's no garbage pickup. We'll take it out in the car. But that didn't happen in, in like unbelievably record numbers. Look at the pictures. So that personal responsibility that you said, Sarah, of owning it and then never deviating from that is to me, you got to get hooked. Got to get hooked. Well, I have a feel good. Uh, I heard this this morning that over at Sora National Monument that uh, the friends of the park 
are going in there every couple of days and cleaning it all out. So it there's may goodness not be, that comes out of it. It may not be right. each individual who's bringing it in, but at least there's we have a community here uh, in the southwest, however you want to put it, um, in the south southwest, who are willing to go in there Care. and yes. clean yep. it up. And and, they're and it's not it. everybody who violates it either, but yeah. it's, it's just that's a good example where there's opportunity yeah. and people do step up. Yeah. And they're happy to do it, they said. Yep, it's an opportunity to do something that feels good. Yeah, something that's important to them. Uh, I don't know how much time we got. If we can broach another topic, five. All right. So here's a question, and uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. This is one of the alarming stats. So unlike for the climate, for example, where you know 97% of climate science say this is what's happening. Um, one of the alarming stats that we see within conscious capitalism is um, of a survey, and I don't know how extensive the survey was, but 30 and under were favoring socialism 10% higher than they did 10 years ago when that same 30-year-old and under was asked that question. So um, you sort of point to, Gina, the media kind of think plays a role in why we think there's a debate. Uh, I think a lot of the narrative on mainstream media is here's there's the big bad corporations taking advantage of customers or taking advantage of their employees or not paying people well enough, oppressive working conditions, et cetera. I think that's what permeates into the mind. Um, so what would you say to these people that have this perception that capitalism is not the solution? I will so jump on that one. And it is a great question, my friend. Thank you for asking it. It's the lack of conscious capitalism that I believe has gotten a lot of those youth or young people to be there I because totally they have, I mean, Alice, they have unbelievable student loan debt. Uh -huh. In a socialist world, it would be free college education. In their own lives, my own children, the affordability of health care. Yes. So there are a in my opinion, some egregious out-of-line profit margins for some of these companies that if they had a conscious capitalism mindset, we wouldn't be here. It's the result of how society has formed them and the burdens they feel. I think I don't know. I think that's a piece of it. Student loans and health care plague my family. Makes sense. Yeah, they're adversely impacted by it. Yes. What are your thoughts, Alice? Yeah, I would say that, you know, I... I I'm someone who tends to be in the middle on a lot of things. And I think capitalism is extremely important. It drives a lot of innovation. It does a lot of really good things. Uh, I do think that, and I hope this isn't bad, but I do think there's a little bit of room for a little bit of socialism on more on the, what's, what's the word? It's not like the, social services. Social yeah. services, you know. So, and I think we've always kind of been like that. You know, I, look I, at Social Security. Look at Medicare. Right. I want to tell people, do you know the happiest day in my life? It was when 65. I was eligible yeah, for yeah. Medicare. <laughs> it's a single payer system. And guess what, folks? It works. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think what we have to be careful about is creating um, creating an either or, you know, like, OK, you have to be this or you have to be this. I think it's a big country and there's room for meeting you know to have have this piece over here like more of a hybrid model you know in order for that to work though you have to have conscious capitalism 
along with the socialism. Yeah, I think in it's certain aspects. Yeah, it's like the like we were like you were saying a moment ago, uh, Gina, about you know, yes, you have people who take personal ownership, and yet there's still a place for regulation and policy. And the same thing with with capitalism. You know, you, we have conscious capitalists, and we certainly aren't a hundred percent you know, operating, you know, as from as conscious capitalists. And so we have to have, you know, support systems. So there's, you know, potentially some utopia out there where everybody is operating from a capitalist point of view, a conscious capitalist point of view, and that all business is really done, you know, as business, you know, for good. And then some of those things can take care of themselves through that system. But uh, we're certainly not there, and who knows if we, <laughs> and who knows if, if it's realistic that you would ever get here, get there. So then, what are some of those, like they say, social safety nets that yeah. are extremely important, and what are other ways besides capitalism to ensure that m- that money, funds, resources, food, shelter, whatever, are getting to the people who don't have it, because there are tons of them right at this moment who don't. Yeah. And I know one of your partners in in Arizona is Local First with Kimber and Mike Peel and all those people, and they've got it figured out. You brought it to the head. Investing in local businesses, in local restaurants, in local social capital helps everybody. Yep. It really does. So it's it's that model. And don't they have statistics about how it builds communities? You have a stronger fire department and a stronger mm-hmm. police department and a stronger educational system if you invest in local businesses. Yeah, absolutely. And that's but another where great do the funds come from example of, yeah. of how you need balance because it's their their local ecosystems or um, economies, but in in the but within the greater context of, of global connection. Yes. And so it's not yep. like one or the other. It's like how do they work, you know, together. So I think that pretty much takes us to the end of our show. So I wanna, you know, thank, you know, Alice Templeton and Gina Murphy, darling, for being, you it know, guests so on the show today. It went so fast. <laughs> Thanks for having time. us. Yes. <laughs> well there, you know, we could do lunch. We'll talk about it. Yeah. So I guess uh, we'll just close it out. You know, thanks to everybody that was listening and for being here. Our, we'll, we're back again next month, February 12th. And of course, you can listen to us over and over and over again by going, you know, to uh, Tucson Business Radio. So see you next month. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. Thank you so much.